Greetings, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Communication Guru Podcast, where we believe it is not always what you say, but how you say it that matters the most. I'm your host, Tim McMurtry, President and CEO of Tim McMurtry International LLC, a business consultancy specializing in personal development and training government and public affairs, along with corporate and community relations. I'm delighted to have you join us today for this episode, and I thank you for your listenership and your viewership of this show. Our aim on this platform is to discuss nuances and insights relative to the communication continuum to help you maximize the impact and results of effective communication in your various spheres of life, be it your business, your relationships, or your workplace and any other place that you find yourself in in your sphere of influence. We're here to help you become a top-notch communicator. So be sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast, The Communication Guru Podcast, The Communication Guru Podcast, so that you can be notified when new episodes are released and are available for public consumption. Now, one of the greatest areas wherein effective communication is vital is in the area of leadership. No matter the level of a leader's technical expertise or knowledge base or inherent qualifications, without effective communication, the entity or organization being led by said leader will not reach its maximum potential. In fact, poor communication from the leader can affect the morale, the retention, and the productivity of those being led. And communication is so big to that there was a guy who is, uh, his name is Pat Williams. He's an author, a leadership, you know, expert, also had a, or has served in a number of executive roles with the Orlando Magic of the National Basketball Association. He has a couple of books out. In one of his books, he talks about, you know, leadership. And just to paraphrase one of the things that he said about the communication and the power of it, he said that in most groups, when you take people who are, let's say, strangers, you can put a random group of people together. Uh, the individual that communicates most effectively becomes the de facto leader. He says that those in that group will just defer to that person and anoint them, so to speak, as being the leader. So that's an indication of how important and significant a role communication plays in leadership. So today what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at a, a composite of leadership or composite leadership to check out some different styles of leadership and to see what are the associated communication patterns and tendencies associated with each of those styles. So to kind of kick this off a bit, I want to just start with a couple of definitions. You know, when we talk about composite leadership. What does that really mean? What that means to me is composite. The definition of it is uh, made up of distinct parts or elements. So when we talk about composite leadership, that is to infer that there are different styles of leadership, different circumstances wherein different elements of leadership are needed. And correlatively, there are different impacts that leadership has on those who are being led. The definition of leadership, uh, there are three definitions that I found. I think I was looking in Merriam-Webster's dictionary for these uh, definitions. Uh, one definition of leadership is the action of leading a group of people or organization. Leadership. Another definition is the state or position of being a leader. Another definition is the leaders of an organization, 
country, etc. That is the leadership. And so with that backdrop, we want to go ahead and, and talk about some leadership styles. Now, no matter what kind of leadership you are describing, no matter what kind of leadership you've been a part of, no matter what kind of leadership, you know, you you are most studies from different schools of academia and other intellectual kinds of organizations that put out periodicals and industry works and content. They say leadership can be boiled down to seven different kinds. So you can have, I don't care what kind of leadership you're thinking about, uka juka leadership, whatever. It boils down to the seven. And these seven styles of leadership include the following. Number one is the autocratic style. Number two is the authoritative style. Number three is the pace setting style. Number four is the democratic style. The fifth style is the coaching style of leadership. The sixth leadership style is affiliate style. And then seventh is the laissez-faire style. And so we'll go into a little bit of each of these just to really emphasize how the communication part of that leadership, you know, is played. Starting with the autocratic style, which is simply do as I say. Uh, there have been a number of leaders that follow this particular mantra. As a matter of fact, uh, most leadership, when people think about leadership, they kind of think to this because you have a person that is in charge and every organization needs a organizational chart so we can know where the buck stops because everybody has you know, some say-so sometimes. However, there's usually one person that really can pull rank, as it's called, and say, this is what we're doing, and that's it. In the autocratic style, it takes on the extreme of do as I say. And sometimes you have patterns of life where that is necessary. You think about a parent or parents in a household, and they have children who are growing up. You know, the parents are the leaders of the household. When the child is little and being formed and, and, and being poured into trained up in the way that he or she should go, there are certain instances where the parent says, do what I say, you know, clean up the room, wash these dishes, put that away, put that down, turn out the lights, go to bed. Those are episodes of autocratic style. Well, why do I have to do that? Because I said so. Do it now and be quiet. Now, in the household, as the child gets older, that style of communication may cause a bit more friction. And typically, as children get older, teenagers, I'll think of myself, for example, uh, you begin to, as they say, smell yourself a little bit, you know, think you know it all, don't like to be told certain things, don't like to be communicated in that way because you seem to think that it's a little disrespectful and you can run into some challenges <laughs> with mom and dad if you don't, you know, Submit to that communication style. Even more problematic sometimes is in the business sector when the person that is the leader has this do as I say kind of communication style and leadership style. And so one person that comes to mind is, is Jack Welch, the legendary former CEO of uh, GE. There was a, a process or, or a philosophy at GE during his, 
you know, glory years that, you know, he was a hard driver. You know, you got to do this. You know, productivity is number one. And just he was a he was a tough guy. And if you were in the bottom 10 percent of productivity in the organization, you could be let go. And that was a way that they tried to keep everybody operating at peak efficiency. Now, I'm not putting a grade on it one way or another. That's just one of seven leadership styles. It's not the only one. It proved to be successful in many regards for that company. They experienced a lot of growth during that time. He became a legendary guy. There's a lot of folks that try to adopt his philosophy, you know. Um, But it's interesting that many of his successors, people that came from under his tutelage, they didn't meet with, you know, the same success that he did uh, after they began to lead organizations themselves. And so there's more than one way to skin a cat is is the saying. So keep that in mind. So the autocratic style is do as I say. And I'll say one other thing about that. In today's time, it doesn't seem like that particular style is most effective. People want to be able to have some say so. People want to be talked to, not talked at, and they want to be able to weigh in on the decisions that are made at any organization or group or entity that they are a part of. And so that one you have to, I believe, finesse a bit. You know, back years ago uh, in times past, that was really kind of the style that was pervasive. But nowadays, people will. They'll leave your organization if there's too much of that. I mean, people respect the fact that whoever the boss is, is the boss, whoever, whatever the hierarchy is, is a hierarchy. But at the same time, people want to be treated with a bit more, you know, respect and want to be able to weigh in a bit more on the decisions that go on in, in, in a company. And, you know, depending upon who you are, if you are the person that is running the joint, you can pick whichever style you want to. Uh, so long as you're prepared to live with the consequences thereof. So the second style of leadership is authoritative style, which is kind of a, a visionary, which is still on the, hey, you know, you can do as I say, but it's more of a follow me type of style. It's confident leaders who map the way and set expectations while engaging followers along the way. As the leader, you are expected to have a vision for the organization. You are expected to be able to articulate said vision to the troops. And the authoritative style is, hey, because I'm the leader, you know, you still have to follow me, but I'm going to help you out by giving you a roadmap. This is how we do things. And these are the expectations that I have of you. Now, a good leader will communicate that in a way that the listener understands. Sometimes the one that is given the instruction uh, feels that there is some deficiency in the listener as opposed to there being a deficiency in the leader or the communicator's uh, communication. And what I mean by that is, is that if I'm someplace, let's say I go to an environment and the people don't speak English, let's say they speak Spanish. If I come in there and say, hi, my name is Tim McMurtry. Okay, I said that pretty clear. Hi, my name is Tim McMurtry. And they are looking like, okay, what is he talking about? And I say, well, they might not understand what I'm saying. Let me say it different. Hi, my name is Tim McMurtry. They still might not get it. So if I whisper it, hi, my name is Tim McMurtry. They still might not get it. Now, 
on my end, I'm thinking, well, what's wrong with them? They're not understanding. There's a deficiency with them. But it could be my communication mm, is off and I might need to finesse my communication even more. So they say, no comprende inglés. I don't speak English, bro. So I don't even speak your language. So what I then have to do as the leader is to adjust my language in such a way that who I'm communicating with, those who are working with and for me, they can understand what I'm saying and what I'm trying to convey to them. So I changed that. Hi, my name is Tim McMurtry to hola. Me llamo Estimoteo. Oh, okay. What's happening, man? You know, what, what am I doing? I'm speaking their language. So the communication change didn't happen with them. It happened with me. So as a leader, your communication style is not limited to just how you get down. But your communication style should also take into account how your listeners need to be communicated to and with and adjust your communication style accordingly so that you can maximize the productivity and outcomes of the organization that you are leading. Number three, the third style of leadership is the pace setting style. That's do as I do. Okay, the leader sets the pace for the whole team and expects the team to roll like them at the same pace. Again, this can be a little bit challenging because you don't always have the same style of people that are under your leadership. If you have a group of five, 10, 15, 20, 100 or more people, everybody's personality is not the same. Everybody's strengths aren't the same. And so you have to take into account who your team is. And while you can have general standards and, 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 and values and things that you all aspire to, these are our standards, you, it would behoove the leader to be able to be flexible in that in some way. Not compromising, but flexible. And what I mean by that is that you could be a type A personality. Always on, always up, always energetic, this, this, and this. Your whole team might not be like that. Matter of fact, you could be irritating to them because they are a little bit low key, slower pace, you know, they're vibe, they move at a slower vibration, so to speak. And you can still be the leader because that's what you are. You have that by just, you're ascribed to that status. So they're going to defer to you as the leader. You don't have to always, you know, I'm the leader. You know, I'm the leader. You know, I'm, shut up. We know, be quiet. And lead us in silence. So <laughs> that that was that was funny to me. Anyway, so as you are setting the pace, be mindful of the team who's keeping up. Those that aren't keeping up, why aren't they keeping up? As the leader, you have to be. I think I've shared this before. You have to be both the thermostat and the thermometer. Thermostat. Or therm thermometer in that you measure the temperature. Okay, who's how how how's my team doing? How are they feeling? How's how is their mental health? How are they doing with these assignments? How are they feeling as a team? How are they feeling as far as their place in the organization? Are they feeling valued? Are they feeling empowered? Are they feeling equipped to be successful? Are they feeling like they are being heard when they bring issues to the forefront that are of concern? Do they feel that those issues are being empathized with and addressed or not because it could affect how they get down. That's thermometer. Thermostat, you set the temperature. You don't just measure it. So if the team is feeling down, you are the one that gives them the morale boost. If the team is, you know, feeling a little dejected, you are the one that comes in and reassures them that, hey, we'll go ahead and get it next time. 
If the team does, you know, mistake, you don't have to rip them a new one because you don't want to leave a trail of tears or blood on your team. And how you communicate to them is going to dictate how they feel about that. You don't want your team to have a sense that they, they're afraid to make mistakes. I can't make a mistake because, you know, so and so and so and so is going to rip into me. You don't want that. No, if you make a mistake, I still want to be able to bring correction, but I want to bring it to you in such a way that still leaves you whole and intact and not feeling like your 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 psyche has been damaged. And that if you ever make another mistake, you are going to be slow to come to me because you don't want to get your head torn off. That's leadership style and that's predicated on communication. So the fourth leadership style is democratic style. What do you think? Where you come into your team, hey, you know, this is what we're facing. This is the issue. Wanted to get some input from you all on how you think we ought to attack this and get this remedy or bring some resolution to it. Again, how you communicate that is key. Sometimes you can be one that says, well, I have an open door policy. Well, if the open door policy, every time somebody tries to come in there, they can never get to you because you're always busy doing something. That's not an open door policy. You're false flagging. That's lip service. Open door policy means whatever you got. Come on to me whenever you have it. Now, if I am in the middle of a, I don't know, a Zoom call or something like that, I'll say, hey, can you give me five minutes or, you know, can I get back to you on this or whatever? But it has to be in the immediacy of that situation. Don't let it be two weeks later that, you, oh, yeah, you had come to my office, you know, two weeks ago. Mm-mm. You want your people in whatever, be it business, be it your family. I mean, parents are saying your kids can talk to you about anything. They might bring some stuff to you that you don't really approve of, but you can't rip them a new one right then and there. You have to have a communication that gives them the confidence that, hey, I really can talk to this person, this leader about anything. And that's predicated both on your leadership style as well as how you communicate that. The last three communication or leadership styles. Uh, are the coaching style. That's where you say, consider this. The leader has an open heart for people. The leader provides a little direction to help the team members tap into their individual ability to level up. That's one that gets a little bit closer to the the, the people. You know, hey, I'm going to give you every opportunity. I'm going to go out of my way to set you up to demonstrate that you can be also a leader as well. One of the best ways to develop leaders is to give them opportunities to lead. And even if along the way that process, one is growing and maturing in their status and effectiveness and skill set as a leader, they may make some mistakes along the way. They may discover a way of doing something that's different than the way you're used to. So if they're doing something different, but can still get results, you don't have to jump in right away saying, well, you're not doing that right. You gotta do it like this. Again, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And if you are empowering me to step up and cultivate this leadership that I have within me as well, you have to give me a little breathing room to be me, because I'm not you. I have unique characteristics. I have unique giftings, unique skill sets. Now, I'm not going to you know, go, go off on the deep end. I'm still going to keep this within the integrity of what our organization is all about. But I might do it a little bit different than you because I'm a different person, but I still can be an effective leader. 
Uh, the next to last leadership style is uh, affiliate style. And that is taking the coaching piece or coaching leaderships out to a, a, another level. That's where people come first. The leader gets up close and personal with the people, knows about what's going on in their personal lives. And that is, it's almost like you, you're doing life with those that you lead. The leader pays attention and supports the emotional needs of team members. He, he or she really cares about the people. They take the time to sit down and talk to them and get to know them. When they're at different, you know, events and stuff like that, they have genuine conversations. And it's not to be, you know, nosy all in somebody's business. But it's really to get to know them, to know what makes them tick, to know what's going on in their personal life, to know if there's some challenges there, if there's some issues, you know, at home that they're facing, if there's some, you know, other struggles that they have. And the purpose of this is to be able to communicate that I got your back for real. And it's not just lip service. And it's those types of places, you know, that I think really harbor the, the the most, I'll say, loyal team members because they they feel supported and they feel that the organization, uh, as led by the leadership, really values them as people first and not just as bean counters, you know? And given that relationships and people are made for relationships when you can have that in a work environment or a business environment or even if you are a volunteer somewhere if the leader is one that likes to get to know the people people really really appreciate that now sometimes you know that leader can catch some flack from other leaders saying that you know you're you don't have to do all of that you know they're here to do a job they're getting paid so they you know should be doing it anyway like, I get all that, man, but they're still human. No, they're not machines or robots. And empathy and relationship go a long way. There's a, a, a couple of studies out that say, I can't really name them specifically, but the, 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 the main conclusion of these studies that I'm referencing are that when people leave an organization, they don't leave the organization. People don't leave jobs. People leave people. And so usually when somebody leaves an organization, you know, usually now this, you know, exceptions to every rule. But as a general rule of thumb, most times people leave an organization because there was some friction with some people there and people bring communication styles. And if you have a communication style that rubs people the wrong way on a continual basis, that will drive them to want to get on away from you. and so being up close and personal as a leader, uh, that's one that I kind of tend to, you know, lean more towards as a personal style of mine, really wanting to know the people that, you know, work with and, and, and for me uh, because because I care because I'm a people. And if I get into a situation, I would want somebody to, you know, be a listening ear, uh, be understanding, uh, help me to figure something out if I'm at a crossroads or something like that. That's really what you want. And if you are a leader that leads like that, you um, you have some multiplied impact. Uh, the final leadership style is the laissez-faire 
style. And this style is when a, the, the, the leadership style involves the least amount of oversight. That's a, 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 a super non-micromanager. This style allows the team members to go with the flow. It can be cool and highly motivated. Well, it can be cool with highly motivated self-starters. However, it can be less effective with non-self-starters in that it can come off as the leader being or seeming aloof or, or, or non-caring. And so this one is kind of a little tricky. You know, when you bring in, particularly when you're working with adults, you say, hey, I'm the leader. I don't have to, you know, drive this home to you guys. We're all adults here. You know what your roles are. Just have at it. I expect that you are able to complete your assignments without me having to check in every five minutes. How's it going? Yeah, what's the status on that? Give me a status report. Give me a status update or inundating you with innumerable emails checking on that particular status. Now, that's cool for individuals who don't like to be micromanaged, are self-starters, are responsible, are ambitious, can make things happen and don't need you pushing them. But you have others that need that level of accountability or that need a level of accountability so that they can continue to move forward in the assignments they've been assigned to. And if you don't ever check up on them or check in with them, that can be a challenge. And uh, so you want to be able to kind of continue on a, a balance as, again, the thermometer and thermostat for the organization so that you are able to know, okay, I'm reading the temperature. Which ones of these folks need a certain level of oversight, which ones can I just let go and do their thing? An example of this that really was personified was in a a 10-part documentary that was on the Chicago Bulls and their championship seasons and and Michael Jordan and, and the rest of the gang. And there was one of the episodes, they talked about how Phil Jackson, who was, you know, the legendary coach, who's won a number of championships, both as a player and as a coach, uh, he would manage the team, the players, in different kinds of ways because he had different personalities, one of which was Dennis Rodman. Now, Dennis Rodman, for those of you all who don't know, is a flamboyant uh, basketball, former basketball player, you know, Hall of Famer. He was a rebounding machine, uh, won championships both with the Chicago Bulls and prior to that with the Detroit Pistons. Now, he was a free spirit. I mean, before, like nowadays, you see a lot of folks with tattoos and tattoos all on your neck and you know tattoos aren't necessarily you know a, a weird thing anymore but tattoos used to be you know kind of a weird kind of a thing and were just associated with certain groups or kinds of folks you know bikers and stuff like that anyway so Dennis Robin was a, a free spirit had a lot of tattoos uh was unusual with color his hair different colors on game day green yellow just he was an unusual character but he really really could you know be a specialist in basketball, both on defense and in rebounding. And so being the free spirit that he was, Phil Jackson noticed that, you know, he wouldn't always come to practice on time and, you know, needed to get away sometimes, you know, during the season and stuff. And even during the playoffs, because he, you know, had stuff going on with him. So that's Phil Jackson being the thermometer, 
noticing what the needs are. So in this episode of The Last Dance, which is the name of this documentary, there was talk of him wanting to go to Las Vegas, but they were in the middle, I believe, of a championship series, you know. And most leaders would say, well, no, you can't go. We're in a championship series worth this. What are you thinking? Da, 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 da. Phil Jackson, like, what you need, man? You want to go to Las Vegas for a weekend? You need to kind of blow off some steam, you know, get your head straight, disengage, party like a rock star, whatever. Okay, go, go ahead and go. Now, he let him go, risking other teammates possibly saying, well, what about us? You let him go, hug Shut up. Let me do this. Anyway, short story shorter, he let him go. He went out there, had a great time. Michael Jordan had to go back and get him because he was having too good of a time. Brought him back in time for the game that they, their next game they were going to be playing. They ended up still winning the championship. So what's my point? Phil Jackson's ability to communicate to the rest of the team and to this free spirit via his leadership it helped the organization still maximize its potential and bring a championship home. And he didn't have a one size fits all for all of his team. Dennis Rodman was part of the team. He was a teammate. You know, they said that when they would try to come to the stadium uh, for a seven o'clock game, most of the folks would get there about three o'clock or so for some stretching, shoot around, et cetera. Dennis Rodman wouldn't get there to like six o'clock, like an hour before the game. But, he still got 20 rebounds, though, led the league in rebounds more than one season. You know, M my, my point is, is that how you communicate to your team, regardless of what your leadership style is, is important and vital. And it plays a very strong role. So as you identify what type of leader you are, be sure to also have effective communication knowing that you are leading people in whatever capacity you are leading uh, in. So with that, folks, thanks so much for listening today. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast, The Communication Guru Podcast, The Communication Guru Podcast. Also be on the lookout for the Morning Timspiration vlog, which are inspirational words of encouragement and insights that can be found on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And finally, if you have a communication-related issue that you want to uh, do a discovery call or free consultation, uh, Drop me a line at Tim at Tim McMurtry International dot com. Tim at Tim McMurtry International dot com. And we can have a session. But give me also a brief description of what your challenge is. And we can do a, a 15 to 30 minute a free consultation or discovery, you know, call to see if we can uh, get to the bottom of that and see if I can be of assistance to you and or your organization. Well, my friends, thanks so much again. Until next time, blessing and increase to you. Bam!